No. Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday at the Table. Um, we're going to delve into God's Word today, but first and foremost, I want to welcome everybody out there in Internet land and everybody that's here. Um, we got more coming in, and uh, we're going to start off with prayer uh, this evening, and then we will delve into back into Genesis again. Heavenly Father, right now we just come before you first and foremost lifting you up. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just search us. Lord, if there's anything that would hinder us or separate us from you, let it be open to our eyes. Lord, and let us just lay it at your feet. Lord, right now, take your word and speak to us. Open our eyes, ears, and hearts to what you want said today. Let your spirit speak. Hide me behind your word, Lord. Let your spirit speak totally. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, the last couple times I taught, we taught we were in Genesis 1. We're still in Genesis 1. I'm going to try to, I doubt I'm going to wrap this up this week, um, but we're going to get more into it. Um, we went, uh, the first time I spoke, we talked about the first couple of uh, verses uh, and how it was, in the beginning, and how God was the sole creator. God was the sole person, the sole one at the beginning. It was God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the beginning, but it was Him. He created it all. And then we got into the actual days of creation. We talked about in day one, uh, you know, the first thing was light. There had to be light. Uh, day two, I want to go back into day two just for a second because I kind of got it mixed up when he created the land and separate the day two was when he separated the waters um and that was at the time we're not like that anymore at all the earth is not like how it's described how it was described was that he separated the waters with the heavens there was a water set up above and there was the waters here on land. In other words, the earth was covered in what was called a firmament. Uh, and a lot of scholars believe this. I believe this. The 40 days that it rained with Noah, that was the firmament that actually fell. That's how much there was, waters and everything. That's why there was so much of a flood because it was, we already had our waters here. Now we you had the waters of the firmament, which, you know, I talked a couple, talked one time about the guy in Japan who simulated, you know, with the tomato plants. And he simulated the firmament idea because we operate at atmospheric pressure, what we call atmospheric pressure right now. When that firmament was Surrounding the earth, the atmospheric pressure was a little bit, it wasn't diff, you know, uh, you know, 100 psi or worse, it, or it was, but there was a difference in our atmospheric pressure at the time. And he's simulated that, and he's got tomato plants that are growing year after year, same plant. They're growing 10 pound tomatoes. You know, we're used to oh, it's gotten hot, or you got hot house tomatoes, they only got so much of a life and they're going to die. No, his are growing, 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 growing. And it's all because he's simulating. This is a Japanese professor that is simulating biblical stuff. 
He's simulating what the earth would have been like. But that's what I want to mention. You know, I kind of got off on when I was talking about day two. I started talking about separating the waters from the land. It was and why I did that. I have no idea. But it was a separation of the actual waters. And in between was what they call, and it even says is heaven, is in between. And that upper layer of water, which we don't have anymore, was what people call the firmament. And the firmament is no longer here. And again, like I said, a lot of people, uh, scholars believe that that's what fell during the 40 days of rain that Noah went through. So day two was talking about the separation of the waters. And then we got into day three. And, uh, and he talked about how the water and the land, you know, the separate and let them be water and then separate that with the land. And, you know, basically... Here's God. He's forming the continents of what we know today. Um, a lot of people think there was a great shift. I think there was some shifting during the flood. I honestly do. Uh, a lot of things. I think our great Grand Canyon is a payoff from the great flood. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of things. But in verse 3, it talks about how his work was that of um, the earth and uh, also providing vegetation and starting and growing plants. And notice how he did this. He didn't just all of a sudden go, hmm, let me create man. And then, oh, I got to put somewhere to put him. No. He started and he created out of a void of nothing, he created the earth and the universe and all the stars and everything. He put everything in place first that needed to be there, you know, because he's perfect. Everything's going to be done in a perfect way. And then he starts settling and he starts and he makes the firmament and he makes the heavens. And then he starts putting what? He starts putting vegetation on the land. Vegetation is going to provide us with our oxygen. Vegetation is going to provide food because there's going to be some animals soon that are going to need to be fed. Not just humans. I'm talking about all the animals. There's going to need to be, but he's, if you look at these steps, everything's just perfect how he lays it out. You know, he didn't go make the giraffe and then say, oh, I need to figure out something to feed this cat. He's got a long neck. Maybe I need to make a tall tree. He didn't go, let me create, oh, this, this is cool. It's a shark. Let me make a shark, but where am I going to put him? Oh, I got to make a, I got to make an ocean. No. Everything he did, it was step by step and in place. But in day three was the beginning of making the vegetation. And many people talk about the changes and stuff. They go into getting into um, the study of evolution. And I mean, honestly and truthfully, the only thing that they can really say they're saying evolved is man. Why is everything else, why didn't the pine tree evolve? Honestly and truthfully, man's gotten a hold of the pine tree and made it worse. The loblolly pine is about the most worthless piece of pine tree, in my opinion, there ever was. And that's what you get at the lumber yard now. It's, um, and then they put this stuff, they put uh, this stuff to keep it from rotting, and it rots faster to me than it would if you'd left it alone. It's funny, you got these old houses, you can still find them still out, stuck out in the woods that are making a heart of pine. And the woods as good as anything. Oh, it catch on fire real quick, but it's still, and they did not, 
inject it with arsenic. They did not inject it with chemicals. They did not call Yellow Wood and tell him to come riding in on his horse and paint something yellow and, you know, put. No, God created all this stuff to last. Man's gotten in there and messed it up as far as I'm concerned. But evolution, there hasn't been really an evolution of anything, if you think about it. Everything God created, there hasn't been that change. Yes, they're talking about dinosaurs and stuff like that. We get into an old subject about that. Yes, there were dinosaurs and they are gone. But, you know, there's other species that have died off. There's not just that. And, um, but we need to understand God did everything in a way, in such a way, it, it's perfect. If, he if one step would have been out, the way the positioning of the earth is, uh, we've talked about that with the sun. We'd either be freezing to death, we wouldn't be here, or we'd done fried up like a french fry. Just a degree, one way or the other. We're either too hot or too cold real quick. It's perfect. Amen. Uh, day four, though, is uh, there was light in the expanse of the heavens. That's when he produced the stars. And God appointed them, uh, and, and God let appear light in the expanse of heavens to divide the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark the seasons, the days, and the years. And let them, uh, the light of the expanse of the heavens, give light upon the earth. That's where we separated day from night. And we talked about the separation, how there has to be a separation. There is a, and we tied it into light and darkness, uh, sin and not, you know, the light. We tied into that. And this had to be also, this also tells us when to go to bed and when to wake up. Plain and simple. It's a quick alarm clock. Unless you got a rooster like I do and he will wake yourself up real quick. In the middle of Montgomery, anybody want a rooster? I got one for free. Amen. Um, but God did this. It separates day from night. It separates season from season. We can tell, even though you know, the U.S. government decided they were going to do the, the time zone, I mean, the time thing. And back in the day, it served a purpose when it was time to clear the fields and time to plant the fields. It served a purpose, but it doesn't really serve a purpose anymore. But you can tell when the days get shorter, the days get in the summer, you, you just know when those days are longer. It's like, will it ever get dark? Will it ever get dark? I worked in... Alaska, and I've worked in the North Atlantic. Uh, I've worked in the summer, and I've worked in the fall. The, it's funny to watch only about three hours of daylight, and it's also funny to North Atlantic. We were out in the North Atlantic, and you watch the sunset to the west. Fifteen minutes later, we're looking, because we were actually heading west, we turned around, and daybreak was starting. Sun wasn't coming up, but light was coming up. Now, daybreak up in those latitudes during that time of year takes a couple hours before the sun actually. But it was kind of like, okay, the sun just went down. Ooh, it's coming right back. It, it's, but it separates our days and our nights, our seasons. You know, in the summer, you want the longer day because you got more stuff to do. And would you have thought that? when you, If you was creating the world... Would you have thought that you need longer days in the summer in, in the nice weather because it would allow people longer time to be able to do things? 
And I'm not talking about going to softball practice or going to baseball practice, which so many of us have probably done our years of. But what I'm talking about is to be able to work in the field, be able to provide, be able to do things. You know, once you have that in those colder nights, the winter time, you don't need that longer day. You need the night, the time to rest. Hibernation. And honestly, winter is a time of recovery. Everything recovers during the winter time. You know, you talk about like when you trim trees. You want to do it when it's cold because the sap's dropped. And that won't shock the tree. Same thing, it, it, you know, it's like our sap is dropped. We've gone into hibernation. Winter, I, this time of year is just kind of like, eh, to me. You don't, you're not excited, you know, I go to work, come home. Uh, summertime, it's different. Spring, fall, I mean spring, you know, you got daylight, you wake up and it's bright. Go to bed and it's just turned dark and you can get stuff done. But God planned all of that. It's just mind-boggling in our minds, I would never thought of that. I would have never thought of that. I would never thought of to separate the day and the night in such a way for the, to be able to tell the difference in the seasons and also with the temperatures. But that was day four. We're going to start off in where we left off, and that was day five. And that's in Genesis 1, 20 through 23. And it said, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And let birds fly the earth in the open expanse of heaven. And God created the great sea creatures, every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God, and God saw it was good, and he blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening. And there was morning of the fifth, and then there was evening and morning, uh, and there was the morning a fifth day. I'm getting tongue tied there. God creates our fish, our squids. Most fear, you know, uh, yeah, y'all know I'm a sailor. Marines have a beautiful word for us, they call us squids. Do you know the most ferocious animal or creature in the water? It's a squid. It is actually, I'm not, sharks, any of that, no. Squids are actually considered the most aggressive animal or creature in the water. So I enjoy that, being called a squid. But imagine, first thing he does is he populates that. He populates our waters and he says, be fruitful and multiply, and the fish start to swarm. We have freshwater fish. We have saltwater fish. There's a balance starting already. Because the, if our oceans are actually out of balance, our atmosphere will be. Our world will be. Then the next thing you do is, and the first creatures he makes for the land are the feathered creatures, which are the birds. Okay. What are birds best known for? Yep. God put his own version of a seed spreader out there. First creatures. First creatures. 
How in the world? You know, God could have said, boom, and all, all these forests would be dense and populated. But guess what? He puts the creature out there that's going to take the pine or the oak and eat and multiply here and there and going to take grain. And yes, the way they do it is when the way you have to clean your windshield. But this is how, I mean, yeah, we laugh about it. It's the way to clean. You got to clean. That's, that's their way of spread. But God has a, a way. God's going to, he's going to, he keeps a balance on this earth. We try to jack it up. Now, I'm not a tree hugger, but I believe in taking care of what God's gave us. And he's created this in such a way, he's created a balance. And we try to mess that balance up too much. We need to understand there is a balance out there, starting first and foremost with our atmosphere. Secondly, our waters. Thirdly, what inhabits our waters? Thirdly, what inhabits our air? Birds. We need to start looking and taking care of things that just God laid stuff out, don't you think? You know, I believe in fishing. I, I, I love fish. I love to fish. I love to eat fish. I love to, uh, I love a uh, filet fish from McDonald's. It's, I, love, I just like fish. But we need to be smart when we fish. We don't need to fish the world out. We don't need to fish the oceans out. We need to be smart when we fit, go to Jim Bob's pond and let's don't take every crappie or take every bluegill out of his pond. Let's take what we need and eat them. You know, take a bass and eat it. Take a couple bass. You don't need to fill your cooler up and put it in the freezer and sit there and freeze a burn down the road. So there's things we need to take care of, but God has a way. First thing he does is he creates the living creatures of the water. And he creates the living creatures of the air. He hasn't created the living creatures that are tromping around on the earth yet. He's got the ones that are flying and the ones that are swimming. What are the first two things he even created before he did the before he even did the uh, vegetation? He created what the water. He separated the waters. He made the heavens and he made he prepared the way. I mean, it's simplistic. A lot of people be like, "Yeah, why you keep talking?" You need to understand. God, if you think God can plan all of this out, why do you not trust him with your bills? Why do you not trust him with your relationships? Why do you not trust him with your troubles? If he can plan out the perfect creation, which he did, he can take care of your finances. He can help you. You just need to listen. He can take care of you with your health. He can take care of you with your relationships. You just have to let him. He does everything. Yeah, you're going to think, I would have never thought about it. There's so many times he's done stuff in my life, and I go, you know, if I would have done it, it would have been no way like that, and it would have been so mad. The way I would have done it, I know it would have been messed up. But God did it in such a way and in such a perfect, in the perfect way, not such the perfect, in the perfect way, there's no other way it could be done. Same thing with this, same thing in our life, if we would just allow him. If he can do this creation thing, he surely can handle your Alabama power bill. If he did this creating of the, the separation of the waters, I know he can take care of the troubles at home, whether it's with your spouse 
your children, your grandchildren. He can take care of it. Let him. So many times it's, we, I'm going to get messy here and I die, and because I've done it. I put my hand to it so much I get to where it's nothing but I'm in the bottom and there's nowhere else I can go and he has to pull me out. How many of y'all been there? It's true. When the simplest story of the Bible shows us how much we should trust it. The very first story, the very first thing that happens, him creating. If we trusted him enough that every time we go, and I received a good measure of O2 into my lungs, and I know within my body, my circulatory system took all of that rich oxygenated blood and ran it all. It took it from my lungs and ran it all over my body and just exhilarated all my muscles and everything and then brought it back to my lungs in such a way that when I breathed out, it was carbon dioxide. Okay, we don't think of it. If he can come up with that process to keep us breathing, he has a process and he has a way to get you through your troubles. He has a way. We need to learn to trust him. I'm talking to myself, especially today. Today was not a good day. I, I'm going to be honest. You can ask her. I was leaving the house at 5 o'clock, and I was like, I don't want to go. I'm the most honest, one of the most honest people you'll ever see coming up here talking and giving God's word. I was. I didn't want to go. Just didn't. Had a rough day. Had a bunch of little lanyard things that have come up, and just they were eating at me. And on the way here, I started chilling out. And the more I'm reading this, the more I'm not going, okay. I'm having all this hissy and all this stuff, internal conflict, and guess what, Lord? You've created all this. I'm talking about you being able to create the foundations of this earth, the foundations of every creature and everything, and I'm not trusting you to get me through this bumpy of a day. Checks me. <laughs> Welcome to my life, people. You should enjoy it. No. <laughs> but guess what? Our testimony is our, one of the strongest things. I could sit here and talk about this all day, but until I made it personal, it may have turned a light bulb on somewhere. That's why I'm not afraid to. You can ask her. I've always said, I'm going to be the most. I will, tell, I will tell from the pulpit or from teaching or whatever. People are like, well, you don't need to. Guess what? I also don't need to be. I'm not, I don't have a super P. I don't have the P or I don't have a super P or T. Well, teacher today. Pastor don't have the super P either. You rip his shirt open, he's probably just got a t-shirt on, so do I. There's no P under there, there's no T under there, there's nothing like that. I'm human, just like everybody else. I try, I strive to be the best I can, but it's only through God's redemption and through his sanctification that I am able to do what I do today. Amen. So let's trust in him. If he can do this, if he, can do the, if he can do the creation, this creation story, something that's like, well, I've heard this since Sunday school since I was 12 years old or 10 years old. Guess what? It don't hurt you to hear it again at all. Mr. Billy Graham would never have said that. I can tell you that. 
That man, I've heard him say, I learn something new from the simplest things every day. And this was when he had already hit 90. Billy Graham, you know, we consider him like one of the super fathers of the Christian, you know, the Christian world in the United States. I'm not, and if I was to say that in front of him, he would stop me. But the whole thing for a man of his stature to have said that I still learn, I still glean. We don't have to get into the, now I love getting into the Greek. I love getting and breaking scripture down. But sometimes we need to, how are we supposed to come to him? With what kind of faith? There you go, like a child. It didn't stop when you reached a certain plateau in your Christian walk. You're still supposed to come to him like a child. You're supposed to look at this, this story and just start picturing it like a child. Like, and I'm not saying childish, but in such a way. Do you remember when you were a child and you, one of your parents told you something that was a story, but it was an important story? And how you hung on almost every word they said? That's how we're supposed to be. Because dad's trying to tell us something. Amen? Dad's trying to speak. Every time you open this book, Dad's trying to speak to you. Dad's trying to give you a bit of advice. Take it childlike. That's why sometimes, you know, unfortunately, there's some of those that when I first pastored at my very first church, they knew I came straight out being a children's pastor. And I got talked to. You're making stuff just like you're still talking to the children. And I said, well, there's some really childish people in here. I was this was my elder. I had one elder. And I said, there's some childish people in here. And he was like, well, I said, yep, we're getting back to basics. And that's where I went. We have to approach stuff. Yes, we can dig deep. And we can just, we can expound every every Hebrew, Greek translation part of it, turn it inside out and everything. But when God just speaks to us in a pure way with this stuff, like when I was talking about, when we were talking about the light and all of a sudden he's dropping this stuff about how he, when he created the sun and how the earth revolved, how we're supposed to be. The, I hadn't done that. Pastor's back there writing that stuff down and I looked at him and that's why I said, I said, he just dropped that on me. That is one of the greatest moments in the study. It's not when I'm up here just teaching y'all and watching y'all get it and see light bulbs go. Because I like, I watch y'all. When I, when I used to preach, I would watch people. And you can see when the light bulb goes on. And it's a great thing. It's kind of, okay, one person got it. That's all I care. One person. Because maybe I affected that one person. But you can see that. And that's how we got to be with this word. And that's why we need to not just look at it as, oh, this, how many times do I need to hear about the creation story? You may hear about it. Pastor might get it dropped in his spirit in his next series beyond God's creation. You never know. And guess what? I guess we need to hear it. Amen? So day five, he's created all these fish. We got salt. Well, we got, we got pompano. We got. Redfish, a snapper, yeah, grouper, all that stuff. You, you know, 
He create. He must have went to the uh, Gulf of Mexico first. No. <laughs> but we got the saltwater fish. We got. We got. We we actually made feathered birds that can go on the water. You notice how you don't see like. Well, you got dolphins, but and stuff. But you don't see regular mammals living in the water. Birds will live on the water. It's funny, the first two things can, can coincide such in a great way. Again, it's the miracle of God. But that was day five. We're getting close here. Day six. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. So God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw it was good. The sixth day begins with God making three specific kinds of land mammals. Cattle, creatures that crawl or move on the ground, and then the beasts are the wild animals. cattle. The number one thing that's going to eventually sustain man. Now cattle, you got to think, we say cattle in the United States, we instantly think, you know, Longhorn, Texas, you know, Longhorns, uh, Herefords, and yeah, beef. It's what's for dinner. But it's also your goats, your sheep, Sheep are good for food and for wool. These things, he created the herding animals first. The livestock. The ones that man will eventually start caretaking for. Then he created that that crawls on the ground. Spiders, lizards, all the stuff. A lot of times we think of them as a nuisance. A lot of people go, you know, always talk about well, if I could just talk to Noah about those two pesky flies he decided to keep. I think there was more than two flies on that thing. One, there was, it was a ship full of animals. Two, there was more than two flies on that thing. But the thing about it is the process of the fly. Do you understand what a nasty world this would be without the fly? It would. I'm just leaving it that way. It would. We make fun of it. We always say we don't want the fly. This world would be a nasty world without the fly or the ant. You know, ants will devour stuff. And we go, you know, especially here in Alabama, you go out there and look at half those cow pastures and you see Montgomery, I think Montgomery County has, is the king of red ant hills. They're red ant hills. And you wonder why. There's a reason why. Yes, they're pain in the backside. They bite. My daughter is highly allergic to ant bites. She will, she will get knots because of them. But there's a reason why. We have to understand. A lot of us question: Why would you have this? Why do you have? Why would there be beetles? Why is there even snakes? Why is there? God's created everything for a reason. Again, remember when I preached and I talked about being that 
that vessel on the wheel, how bad it is to look up at God and go, you did it wrong. That's what we're doing. God, we need to let God be God and do his work. Just like we, can, we might question what he's created, we don't, and we, you're not supposed to. You shouldn't. Everything, everything works for good. Everything has a, there's this, there is a cycle, cycle of life out there. But it's the same thing. You have a cycle of your walk. Don't, you can question why something happened and don't, don't get me, don't think I'm saying you can't question. There's a difference in questioning God and questioning your circumstance. You can go, God, why? You can go, God, I don't want to go through this. Because I'm sorry, I think his son sat in a garden and said, let this cup pass before me. Let's put that in simple terms. Dad, I don't want to do this. So many people are like, no, Jesus. Jesus said, I don't want to do this. But if it's your will, Dad, we're going to do it. But I'm going, I don't want to do this. There's a lot of stuff in our walk we don't want to do. And a lot of times we go, well, I don't know how that's going to outcome, how that's going to be. And once you do it, you're going to find you would wish you have done it a long time ago. When you start listening to him and start doing what we're supposed to. Same thing. We are, there is a, we don't need to question him on anything he does in our life. We don't need to question him about what he's created in, in this world for us. Now, I'm not saying that he created COVID-19. And I'm not going there. So we're going to stop that. But I can tell you, he's created this world. Yes, this world's not perfect because of man's hand. But this world in the creation form, what we're reading here, and once he got to day seven and God got into God's uh, what I call recliner and said and had to kick back and he wanted to look at everything and said, look what I've done. I'm going to rest and look at the greatness that I've created. It was perfection. Perfection. The processes of our internal, how we work all the way down to the atom is perfection having our neutrons and protons and the electrons flying around in each every atom of what is in our body. I mean, it's perfect. Who could have thought of that? And I can tell you, no slimy mess eased up on the shore and all of a sudden formed RNA and DNA and formed and all of a sudden just popped up and went, hi, I'm Adam. <laughs> no. No, it didn't work that way. There had the, our creation. How I'm trying to think of the right word. Symbiotic. Everything works together within our body. There is no way that it happened by happenstance. At all. Same thing in the creation of this world. Same thing in Him creating every living thing. How He set about to do it. Again, he created all the animals. He created first the livestock. Then he created creepy crawlies. Then he created the wild beasts, bears, 
tigers, oh my, you know, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, as the saying goes. Yes, totally. Because herds get out of hand, get too big. They can eat up, you know as well as I do, you know, if you've had any type of understanding of agriculture, you can't just throw cows out on, you know, you can't throw 100 cows out on 10 acres and just leave them there forever because they're going to eat the stuff down. And there's going to be no longer grass. And there's going to, but in the day when we didn't have the knowledge and everything, something had to be there to control herds. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. You know, so many people, you know, I'm an avid hunter. I love to hunt. Um, I went to the Navy, came back out of the Navy in 1993, and there were two things that were not here really in Alabama when I got back when in hunting. That was coyotes. Coyotes were non-existent in the, in the mid-'80s in Alabama, not in my area, not in Elmo County, and armadillos. I come back, and there's armadillos all over the place, and there's coyotes. Matter of fact, the first coyote I saw, I was on 80. I was between Demopolis and Selma. I was on my final stretch push home, July 13th, 1993. The reason I re remember that is because also Davy Allison crashed that day. And I'm listening to it on the radio as I'm coming home. I just got fresh out of the Navy, and I see a coyote. And I'm like, what? In the, now, California, where I came from, they're all over the place. I was like, why is that here? Well, there's separations. We had separations of rivers. You know, coyotes were non-existent east of the Mississippi till bridges started. Then they started coming forth. But there is a reason why we have all these animals to take care of things. Because if you didn't, you would have an overpopulation. Well, the coyote was not a animal that was in the eastern half of the United States. Eastern half of the United States has a large deer population. Now people are upset because the deer populations are getting hurt. But you've got to have a balance in the wild. Because if we don't have hunting like we have now, just to show you, state of Alabama, a lot of people go, well, people don't hunt like they used to. Au contraire. Our herd is huge in the state of Alabama. And this year is the first year, and Pastor can actually talk about this. This is the first year that they are shutting down processors because they're so full. The other day, there wasn't a processor in Elmore County that was taking a deer. Then Montgomery County, there was only one. Okay, imagine if that population wasn't being hunted or like in the time when God created this, if the wilds hadn't been the wild animals, he created the herds. Can you imagine what the world would, it would have been overpopulated with goats, sheep, cows, horses. We would have been totally overtaken. And you know as well as I do, I remember the only way when I was growing up, the only way to get rid of kudzu was three ways. You burn it in black tarpet, you get goats, or you get pigs. And you let them out. Because goats and pigs will eat it up. 
and there's a reason why. And the same thing, just imagine if that would have happened. Here's this nice green lush earth that God's created and nothing but herding animals were now let loose on it. They would have ate it down to nothing. Again, it's perfection. You look at how everything ties together and we go, I don't know if God understands. I've said it. I've thought, I mean, I don't know if I've said it. I've thought it. I don't, God don't understand what's going on with me. (laughs) And usually about an hour or two later, something, he thumps me real good and I go, okay, that was a stupid thought. Same thing with this. When we look at how perfectly he brought this, everything together. Day six, here comes all the animals. We're set up, people. We got fish. We got fresh water. We got land. We got agriculture already done, set forth for us. We got birds. We got herding animals and all the live animals. We got bugs. We got everything. We got gnats. We got still trying to figure out the mosquitoes. But there must be a reason. But I'm going to figure out. Maybe that's going to be my big question when I get up there. Why did you create them? No, (laughs) I could care less. But the whole thing is everything is in line for the last thing to happen. Everything's in line now. What more could we want? Honestly. There's no humans walking here yet. But everything to sustain man is now in place. Everything is in place. Did he put man in the beginning like I talked about earlier and then have to pick him out out there floating near Pluto and go, oh, nope, I created you this little, here, you need to come back over here to this planet I got you right here. I've done. No, he didn't do that. He's gotten everything in line. If we would let him take control of our lives and let him do and guide us and we listen and do as he says, it would all be in line. But so many times, Rick wants to get in the way. So many times, Rick wants to do something else. So many times, Rick thinks it needs to be done this way. When a whole time, if we would let perfection perfect us, we'll never be perfect, I can tell you that. But if we would let perfection perfect us, we'd be a lot better off. The biggest thing is quit thinking you can do it on your own. You can't. You can't. But thank goodness he's gave us a power that he called dynamite power, dudamus power. Even Jesus said, I got to leave because the only thing you're going to do, if I hang around you that's going to cling all over me, I got to go. But I'm sending you something. It's going to be called the comforter, but it's also going to be as powerful. It's going to have deutimus power, which is the same word comes that dynamite was a derivative of in the Greek. He's empowered us. He's given us the power to walk. And so many times we don't want to listen. We want to do our own thing until he has to get our attention. Or we hit bottom and then we start screaming for him. 
I don't know how many of you, your children. Don't do that. You're going to get hurt. Come back here. Next thing you know, they go running down the driveway. Ain't got, got nothing but shorts on, and, you know, and it's hot. And they just go, and come back here. You're going to fall. Boom, skin knee. What's the first thing a child would do as soon as you get a skin knee? They get up, start squalling, and what happens with their arms? Why do we have, okay, we look at our children and go, why didn't you listen to me? And then we turn around the same way. We end up in financial relationship, whatever trouble, and we think we can handle it on our own. We're not listening. whole time he's trying to speak to us. And next thing you know, we're falling, skinning our knee. And what's the next thing you're going to do? I'm sorry, God, please help me. We need to just trust. If he can set these six days up to be perfect for us for the next 6,500, almost 7,000 years now. If he can do this in seven days and make perfection, he can take care of what we have in our life. He can take care of us. He can do what we need done. I mean, so many times, you know, some people get a little bit strenuous, but first thing that happens when you're sick, you have a headache. What's the first thing you're going to do? What's the second thing you're going to do? If it stays. Yeah. I'm just, and I don't mean to call you out. I do the same thing. I'm driving down the road and I, I have a little drawer right there. Tink, there's acetaminophen and there's ibuprofen. Don't be pulling the drugs out in church there, brother. <laughs> But that's the first thing. Now, and I'm going to tell you, I do the same thing. But, you know, shouldn't we go, Lord, can you help me with this headache? Now, he may go, you may hear that little small, still voice go, take something. But he then again, it's, I know it sounds simple, but why don't we go to him? Why do we wait after, you know, we get the worst news? Oh, you got COVID and we're going to have to put you in the hospital before we go screaming to God. I'm starting up to feel good. I know what's going around. Lord, touch my body. Then go to the doctor. But we want to do everything on our own. Can you imagine if God would have left it up to us to, to start creating animals? If he would have done everything, set everything in place, and, goes, and didn't look at Adam and say, name them, he said, create them. I don't know what we'd have out here. Let God do it. Same, but it's the same thing with us in our life. The simple story of the creation story should be so enlightening on if God can do this, he can handle anything in my life. He can handle anything. And now is the big day. And day six. And God said, let the earth bring forth living. I mean, we got day six and everything was set forth and everything was good and everybody's happy. And then we go into day seven and it's time. It's time for what? 
it's time for rest. But after that, we're going to move into where he creates man. And I don't know if I want to jump into, because I'm going to stop right in the middle of this. I'm going to just, I'm going to ask real quick, does anybody got any questions or comments? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Holland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had to. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, you think 